Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the Word of God, more than any other characteristic of our Heavenly Father, more than grace, more than love, uh, more than supernatural divine attributes such as healing power, manifestation of miracles. Uh, there is talked about the mercy of God. All through the Bible, the mercy of God is mentioned. David many times wrote in the Psalms about the mercy of God. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. New every morning. Mercy is the ability of God, the ability of God to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. Maybe you've self-inflicted yourself with something. Maybe you've gotten into a situation uh, that you just see no way out of. Maybe something's going on in your finances, your health, your marriage, in your life, and you think, I, I don't just, I don't, I don't see a way out. My faith isn't big enough. Uh, uh, my belief system isn't strong enough. Well, I got good news for you. There's mercy tonight. There's mercy for every person that'll receive mercy. There's some in here tonight. Tonight is your night of mercy if you'll receive it. If you'll receive it tonight is your night of mercy. The Bible says in the book of Titus, not according to any acts of righteousness which we have performed, but according to His mercy He has saved us with the washing of His Word and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So tonight if you need that mercy, just lift your hands up right now to heaven. Just lift up your hand and say, Father, I receive your mercy right now. I receive your mercy right now. Tell him that you need it. Say, Lord, I need your mercy and I receive it right now. Oh, just if you've done something, ask forgiveness. If you've gotten into a situation, just ask forgiveness right now. But just tell God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord God. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, my Sebrodon Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, who's got a message in tongues? Wave your hand at me real quick. Let me look around. Praise God. Sister Pat, give that out if you will. Well, mercy is flowing to you right now, coming from the throne of grace. But in order to receive it, you must give it. You must allow mercy in your own life. For there are those that have made mistakes against you and that have done you wrong. So you must manifest mercy toward them. And as you manifest mercy in your own life, divine mercy will flood into your life. And I will stay the hand of that which would be judgment against you. Oh, not divine judgment, but just judgment of that which you have done and committed. I will cause the hand of mercy to come upon you. And that which should happen to you will not happen. It will not manifest and will not come to pass. But allow the mercy of God to bring a new tenderness into your spirit. To relieve and release you of hardness in your soul. And make a decision this night. I will not forsake the mercies of God. And if you will, if you will make that decision. 
then a very quick turnaround will happen in your finances, in your health, in your marriage, with your family, in all that concerns you that's going in a negative direction, I will take and cause my mercy to reverse it. And you will begin to go toward the blessing and into the light and life which I provide for my word. So do not forsake that mercy which is falling on you this night, but receive it and distribute it liberally, liberally and it will flow back to you in unwavering, unmeasurable ways in your life, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I know that in the days ahead, because many churches uh, uh, right now, uh, they're not preparing spiritually by sowing and giving and doing what they're supposed to do in supporting missions around the world. But I know in my own spirit that the day is coming where several of the ministries that we support in missions work, that we will become their sole support. But the good news is they'll be blessed because we'll give abundantly and we'll make sure, amen, not to keep them poor, but they'll be able to maintain, uh, that they'll be able to preach and maintain the momentum that God has given them in the nation where he has sent them and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere they go. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, real quick this evening. We, we began last week looking a little bit at the tangibility of the Holy Spirit. Now, we made this statement last week, and we may carry this through the next uh, few weeks. Actually, we may carry it for a while because I believe it's very relevant to what we preach and proclaim. We believe that the gospel is not just a gospel of proclamation, but it's also a, a gospel of demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. That means there should be a, demonstrate, a demonstration or a demonstrative aspect to the gospel in which we preach. Now, last week we began to talk about the tangibility and the activity of the Holy Spirit. We looked over in, 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 in Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, darkness was on the face of the deep. And, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the... And God said, Let there be light. Notice the moving of the Spirit set the platform for the Word of God to be proclaimed. And it brought creative power into manifestation. Well, I ought to get a better amen than that. So we saw two different attributes of the Holy Spirit, and that is activity and tangibility. We'll look at tangibility again in just, here in just a moment. But now something we've kind of added to the repertoire of what we say about our church is this. We want people not just to hear about God, but to experience God. Let me say that again. We want people not just to hear about God, but to experience God. The experience or, or the tangibility or the reality of His presence in a service. Isn't it wonderful to come into a service, sometimes on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday night, maybe you've kind of had a tough week and you just kind of really had to make yourself come to church. And you kind of came dragging in and, you know, you came and the, the, maybe the, the, the praise had already started and you, and you found your seat and you kind of reluctantly said, oh, well, you started praying. And next thing you know, you had your hands up. You started worshiping God and all of that heaviness got lifted up of you, off of you and you begin to experience the presence of God. And by the time we got to the worship song, you were just caught up in His presence. Isn't that great when that happens? See, that's experiencing God. That's not just hearing about God, but that's experiencing God. There is that aspect of tangibility, and the Holy Ghost is the part of the Godhead that manifests that. Now, we looked last week, Acts chapter 2, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in its initial, its initial outpouring in, uh, in the day of Pentecost in the upper room. 
Let's read it again. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly, now notice all of this. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Now notice this. Number one, sound. Everybody say sound. Number two, there appeared. Now anything that appears shows up in such a way where it can be seen. Amen. Anything that appears shows up in such a way in which it can be seen. So now we've got something touching the sense of hearing, sound. There came a sound. Everybody's going, you hear that? I like what one preacher said. It said it sounded like a 747 landing in downtown Jerusalem. <laughs> then after that, after they heard something, they saw something. There appeared unto them what? Cloven tongues. That word cloven means divided or separated. Cloven tongues as a fire. And it came and it did what? It sat down or settled down. Upon, so they were looking at one another going, Woo, man, you on fire. You look like you're on fire. What does that feel like? I don't know. What does that feel like? Do you hear that? I hear that. You're on fire. Don't you know that's what's going on? Now, now you kind of got to get the picture. They kind of like, you know, they're in there praying, and I'm sure their prayer, you know, they had been taught by Jesus, so I'm sure there was some fervency to their prayer. Uh, they weren't praying in tongue. They were probably praying in the Hebrew language. All of them were Jew. Most of them were Jewish men, Jewish men and women. That were there. So they were praying in their Hebrew tongue. Something. And so as they were praying, as they were praying, as they were praying, all of a sudden, here comes this sound. That probably stopped them right there from praying. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Then it came. Do you see that? Do you see that? Now, the reason I'm emphasizing that is I want you to see God doing what? Bursting into the sense realm. Now, the first bursting into the sense realm we saw some 33 years before that when Jesus was born in a manger, conceived of the Word of God, carried to term by a virgin girl named Mary. When Jesus was born onto the planet, God stepped into the sense realm. Emmanuel, God with us. You say, what point are you trying to make? God is not afraid of the realm of the senses. He wants to touch you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to see his activity. He wants you to feel his presence. He wants you to have an experience with himself. Amen. Amen? Now listen, here's the thing. We don't seek for that. Because many times if you seek for the supernatural, the devil will give you the spectacular. But if we'll study the Word of God and see the precedent in the Word of God for the things that especially Jesus taught and then the Apostle Paul came and reaffirmed about the moving of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the tangibility of the Holy Ghost, then when God moves, the Spirit of God moves and people start getting blessed, healed, set free, delivered, refreshed, amen, when they begin to experience the supernatural signs and wonders and miracles of God, we'll know that's of God, that's of God, that's of God. Not that over there, I don't know. Now, let me just, just help you. If there's ever a question, it ain't God. If it's ever a question, it's, a, it's, it's not God. 
But here's the thing. God wants us protected. God wants us safe. Jesus said, if we'll believe on him as the scriptures have said. So we believe God for the standard of the word of God to manifest the ability of the Holy Ghost in our midst so that we might experience the fullness of all God desires to do within the confines of our covenant which means supernatural events that take place that have no relevance to our covenant, they're not of God. You say, well, I don't believe none of that could happen or take place. It takes place all the time. People are so gullible they fall for it, hook, line, sinker, dock, and boat. <laughs> Amen. He said, well, pastor, you know, what if str some strange thing happened? What if, what if, what if uh, in the flower arrangements, uh, uh, as you look at the flowers, there's an image of Jesus? Well, it lasts till Thursday. <laughs> you say, what do you mean it lasts till Thursday? That's when we throw those away and get the new arrangement. He said, now, come on, preacher, you wouldn't throw that away. Not if you could see the face of Jesus in the flower. No, no, I'd throw it away. Don't need that. You say, why? Because we got a greater testimony. We have the Word of God. We have, and it's amazing how you get Jesus appear on a tortilla. <laughs> Somebody told me one, it was not a tortilla, it was a peanut butter sandwich. That Jesus appeared on a peanut butter sandwich on the bread, and it sold for like $20,000 on eBay or something. My goodness. You say, well, what, what happens if Jesus appears on my peanut butter? Just eat it. Forget about it. Amen. I had a lady tell me, actually here, here at Island Church, back when we were greeting people about three or four Sundays ago, she said, when you laid hands upon me, I could just feel the oil of God, the oil of God just coming all. I said, hey, just don't pay any attention to that. Heard Brother Hagin say years ago, praying for the sick, oil would start running out of his hand. Running out. He said, I'd put my hand in my pocket. I'd just put my hand in my pocket. He said, well, I don't want to call attention to that. We don't have any scriptural precedent for that. And because of that, we stay away from it. Because when you, when, you, when you enter into something, you don't have scriptural precedent for it. There was a gentleman up in, up in Dallas, and he was preaching and having all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles, and some of them were really strange and really weird. And so one preacher said, where do you find that in the Word? And he said to this preacher, he said, oh, I'm way beyond that book. Well, honey, when you get way beyond that book, you're way beyond where I want to be. No, we see a tangibility. There was a sound. There was an appearance. Cloven tongues as a fire. Then the Bible says they begin to what? They begin to speak. Supernatural manifestation of languages being communicated in which they had not intellectually learned. The power of the Holy Ghost had fallen upon them. The great phenomenon of the, phenomenon of the Holy Ghost, which is not only supernatural spiritually, but physically a miracle, is the ability for you to speak in a language which you do not intellectually understand. Proof that God has disconnected your tongue from your brain and hooked it to your human spirit. And the Bible says, by so doing, you speak with tongues of men and angels, and I guarantee you there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. I was just listening to a tape, a camp meeting in 1984 up in Tulsa. And there was a guy from Kenya there that God had blessed and touched and raised up a great church. And they were having a time of prayer and a time of intercession during this meeting. Several thousand people were there. But he had to get up and testify after the prayer meeting. He said the person sitting next to me was praying, was praying, was praying. But they did not realize they were praying in Swahili, perfect Swahili. And they kept saying over and over and over, Devil, you can't have Uganda. Devil, you can't have Uganda. Devil, you can't have Uganda. Devil, you can't have have Uganda. And a friend of mine after that went to Uganda and built 600 churches. 
and the president of Uganda came to his church and presented them, presented them with an award and a medal for turning his country around. Because somebody was praying in the spirit. You can't have Uganda. You can't have Uganda. Supernatural manifestation. Now, real quick, I've got a couple more minutes. Go to Acts chapter 8. Let's look at something here. Great revival taking place in Samaria. Philip the evangelist had had, uh, headed down there. Let's let's read it here just for a moment. Chapter 5, excuse me, verse 5 of chapter 8, the book of Acts. Chapter 5, excuse me, verse 5 of chapter 8. Maybe I'm supposed to preach something out of chapter (laughs) 5. Hold there, look in a minute. It says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I like that. And the people gave with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Now notice this. Hearing, everybody say hearing, and seeing. Oh, hallelujah. Hearing and seeing what? Miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And what happened? What happened? Everybody got mad. Everybody, no, there was great joy in the city. Now notice this. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city had used sorcery uh, and, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Now, you've got to be careful. Witchcraft, sorcery, is a work of the human flesh. Galatians chapter 6. You can go over there and study it. I always thought that it was some spiritual thing. But when I got into the Word of God, I saw it was a work of the human flesh. Now, one of the reasons people with witchcraft and sorcery can fool so many people is because of the reality of tangibility when it comes to the demonic. Now, any of you that were ever, uh, I don't know, I, I grew up kind of in the 70s and, and that era and went to, you know, some rock concerts and places where things were going on where I shouldn't have been. I mean, have ever, anybody ever been to some of those? You know, don't raise your hand. Don't want to know that. But how many of you that went to anything like that experienced a tangibility? I mean, you could almost say it like this. Those people up there had an anointing. I'm telling you. It was, not a, it was not a divine anointing. It was a demonic anointing. I always get people real mad at me whenever I say anything about rock and roll or you know, any of that kind of stuff. They just, they just get so mad at me. And I always wonder why. I mean, people that openly say they sell their soul to the devil. They write songs like Ode to the Devil and things like that. You want to defend them? And, and where there's a tangibility of the demonic in which they, quote, minister. They write things in their songs that talk about rebellion, abuse, drug abuse, uh, violating women, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then you want to give them some type of credibility? But see, the world flocks to that because they don't just hear, but they experience it. Every event they have, a musical event like that, you go and you experience. And then all of the things, especially back in those days, all of the things that were needed to enhance that experience were always available. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And, they were in, and then people go away with all these memories, memories, memories. No, you need to be healed of that and recognize that's demonic. That's the false. But there is the real. 
There is the hearing, there is the seeing, and there is the experiencing of the divine nature of God, which doesn't produce a hangover in death in the morning, but you get up with joy in your heart. So here's this guy, Simon the sorcerer. He's looking around and saying, man, what is all of this? What's going on? It says the people there, to him they gave great regard because long time he had what? He had bewitched them with sorcery. That's what that stuff does. It bewitches you. It puts you under a spell. You know, there's people obsessed. They get obsessed with certain bands. You ever seen that? I've seen them on the TV recently. I forget what the entertainer was, but people had their hands lifted like this to them. I was going, my God, do they know what they're doing? See, that's an act of surrender. Are we meddling now? I'm trying to get you set free. I said, I'm trying to get you set free because no, that's, that stuff is not for you. It's against you. If you don't believe me in the crisis of life, why don't you go to them and see what they'll do for you? So here's one of those guys right there. He bewitched them with sorcery. But now we got the real coming, amen? It says, but when they believed Philip preaching the same things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That means they got saved. They said, we don't need the sorcery anymore. We don't need the rock and roll anymore. We don't need the demonic anymore. We don't need to be bewitched anymore. We're through with the fake. We got the real. And we're experiencing it. Amen. Now notice what it said. It says, and Simon himself believed. Whoa. He got saved. Also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, wondering and beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For he was not yet fallen upon them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now let me just help everybody with a little, little uh, rabbit trail, uh, biblical exercise that will help you understand some things because there's people out there right now, well, how were you baptized? Were you baptized in the name of Jesus? Now listen. Right here in the Word of God, there is no water right here in what we're talking about. They're not talking about water baptism. They are talking about being baptized into the body of Christ or being born again. Now, people that get off when it comes to the doctrine of baptism, they see water in every verse in which is mentioned the word baptism. I asked the Lord one time, I said, how do we differentiate the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the baptism into the body of Christ, and baptism in water in the book of Acts. And the Lord spoke to me very specifically and said, every time they were baptized in water, I said water. That's good enough for me. Several different times, just in a few minutes, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch in water. Are you with me? In Acts chapter 10, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they're at, they're at Cornelius' house. After they were baptized in the body of Christ, after they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, he baptized them all in water. Are you with me? So here they were baptized into the body of Christ, and they were fixing to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen? It, it says they laid their hands on them, verse 17, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now here's where I wanted to get to. Right here in verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now let me ask you a question. Somebody said to me, there's no proof that they spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 8. I bear to differ. The Bible says that Simon saw something. 
You say, what did he see? Well, he saw the same thing they saw in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. He saw them speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them. You say, now how do you know that? Number one, they were already baptized into the body of Christ. They were already born again. Did you see? We just read that. We don't need to go back over that. They were already born again. So the only other thing they could experience would be what? The baptism in the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that when Peter and John laid their hands on them, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we know from previous scripture that being baptized in the Holy Ghost produces an evidence. Simon saw them speak into, he saw power being released. It so impressed him that he said, hey man, I'll write a check. How much money do you want? Give me this power so that whoever I lay my hands on which see, would receive this same power that these men. Well, he, listen, I'm sure they got him right in his doctrine. They, they, they instructed him right there, so now your money perish with you. That's not the way this works. I'm sure he got some, 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 some uh, greater teaching and ended up being a great disciple of Jesus Christ. But here's the point I'm trying to make. All through the book of Acts, we see the tangibility of the Holy Ghost in manifestation. The devil knows that if any church, if any group of people get so in love with Jesus that they desire a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, then through signs, wonders, and gifts of the Spirit, and the presence of Almighty God, and the anointings of God which flow and ebb and run throughout the congregation, that God will produce an experience not just a word that is spoken, but an experience in which God will touch you and tangibly you'll know, I've been with God. I've been with Jesus. The Bible says of the disciples after they argued over the miracle that was done in the temple when the layman was healed, they said they had knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. And I want you to know God wants that presence on you, not just in a service, not just in a time in which you're experiencing the refreshing of God and you sense the presence of God. He wants you walking out this door with that presence where when you walk by people, they look at you. You can always tell the demonic. I was in a, in a restaurant one time. We were in a wonderful Holy Ghost meeting. Actually, we were up at Grosbeck at Pastor Randy and Linda's church oh, about five or six years ago. We'd had a just powerful meeting. We went into a little restaurant for a bite in between services. And as Randy and I walked by this table, here's this man sat. He, he, he's, in a, he's in a suit and tie. Looks like just, you know, clothed and in his right mind kind of person. And as soon as we walked by, he just turned fire and he just started growling like an animal. Ah, 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 ah. Randy and I walked by and said, yeah, we know what's going on there. You say, what happened? The presence of God. The presence of God. I tell you, it causes the demons to cry out. It causes them to leave. It causes manifestations of the blessing of God. The presence of God is something that you want with you at all times. We don't have to feel it. We don't have to say, oh, I, I feel it. And when I don't feel it, it's not there. No, we walk by faith and not by sight. We acknowledge His presence with us at all times. But then there are those special times. It says in Acts chapter 4, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord when the Spirit of God comes and just settles down on us and we sense His presence with us. Aren't those wonderful times? Lift up your hands into His presence right now. Lord, we just worship You tonight.
Thanking you that in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And Lord, tonight, we just all day have been basking in your presence. Basking in your presence. Basking as as you have revived and refreshed and given us strength this day. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. And the church says, stand on your feet this evening. Father, we bless your name. Lord, as we leave tonight, as always. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.